Hello, welcome back to the Full Time Whistle podcast. Hope we're all well. Uh, back to normal with a regular edition this week. It feels like we haven't had a regular edition of the pod for, for a while now, actually. Um, so, yeah, it's it's good to be back. And someone else is good to have back on the pod uh, is George. How are you doing, mate? Long time no speak. I know, yeah. It's been it's been a while. I was just saying before, um, just catching up with Reese beforehand about how we recorded one a couple of weeks ago and the audio failed on us. So I, I tried to do one, but, you know, this yeah. is the first one, hopefully, like coming back where it's actually going to be pretty decent. Back on Zoom as well. We experimented with something else, which I regret suggesting that now because it, it used to it used to serve me well. But Zoom is kind of like a safe haven for us, isn't it? But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. All good. Happy to be back on and talk about a couple of fixtures that have happened this weekend. So, yeah, all good. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm looking forward to speaking to you again, mate, and seeing uh, what views we can put across. And uh, someone who looks interested in my bottom corner is Reese. How, how are you doing? I'm okay, bro. Just the missus is in the background making a hell of a lot of noise. So, um, is she yeah, disagreeing with right your now. opinions already? Oh, fucking hell, she hates it, mate. But, um, yeah, man, I'm looking forward to hearing some of George's opinions on football and hopefully we can get along on that, me, Luke and Aaron. <laughs> yeah, no, there's been some touchy subjects um, so far between you guys, which has been good. It's been nice having a bit of proper debate um, going on. Um, so, unfortunately, no Liverpool to talk about, so um, Reese can't be biased this week towards any Liverpool players. Um well, where we can head, shall we? <laughs> uh, we can head straight though to North London, um, where it's been a great, uh, great, a great weekend for uh, for two teams. Um, but we'll start with Spurs. Um, there's only one way. It's just an amazing performance from Spurs, especially that second half, and uh, obviously Son coming off the bench had a point to prove. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Son's been kind of slated a fair bit the the start of this season for not like carrying on the form that he had last season. Um, but I I was kind of in the camp where I always thought it's the same with Salah at the moment, where I think they're just going to come good again. Like I don't, I think it's a cycle where like there's not there's very few players who like are permanently every second of every single game on top form, you know. So. For me, it was a it was it was a cycle, and I thought Son's going to come back around. Obviously, one game isn't necessarily indicative of him. You know, he's not now necessarily going to go on and score like every single game of the season. But I knew that something like this probably would happen. I didn't know if it'd be a hat trick or just like a great performance and like a goal or like a few assists or something. But I think it was bound to happen eventually. Him coming back and scoring loads, and um, obviously, as he said, as he said, coming off the bench and kind of capping off what was already. A, a decent performance by Spurs, a really good performance by all accounts against a, a very sort of weak Leicester side. Who obviously mm. we'll probably get onto that side of it afterwards with Rogers and everything. But but yeah, I think I think Spurs fans can be really obviously very very happy with that result. Great performance from majority of the team, to be fair. And obviously we've seen Kane um, Kane getting on the score sheet early on. We've seen Benton Kerr getting. I think it was his first goal. I want to say yeah, Benton Kerr. Yeah. Um, and then yeah, Son Son just back at it. So hopefully, from from a Spurs perspective, he can continue on in that vein. But um, yeah, I think people were a bit harsh to criticise him at the start of the season. There's been a little bit more rotation, obviously having like Richarlison in there, having mm. Kulusevski in there, and everything like that. But um, yeah, a, a great player and a player like that always kind of comes good in the end. I think so. Yeah, mm. I'm 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 happy for him. Yeah, Reese, you kind of think that 
Conte's tactics are starting to kind of bed in at Spurs now because obviously it's a big, big move putting Son on the bench and obviously it kind of seems like the point was proved right in terms of putting him on the bench and then he's got something to then aim for and to prove himself a bit. Listen, a win's a win, but I wasn't as impressed as everyone else was with Spurs' performance on the weekend. I think the scoreline kind of flattered them. If I'm honest, I think attacking-wise, I thought Leicester were quite decent in different spells of the game and actually could have grabbed a few goals. Yeah, um, I think especially first half as well. I think Leicester looked on the front foot. First the half, mate, they looked a lot better than um, Spurs. I said it to one of my mates in one of my group chats. I said, like, Leicester look up for it today and this ain't easy for Spurs. But a few defensive blunders actually cost Leicester the game, um, especially coming out after the second half, 2-2, two, two, and more or less like two, three minutes into it, indeed he gives away the ball. And you can't give away the ball when you've got players like Kane, um, Richarlison at the moment, who's obviously looking up for it. Um, who do they start with? Kane, Richarlison, and... Kulovesky. Kulovesky. You can't give away the ball against them sort of players, you know? So I, I, I think, um, yeah, I still stick with the scoreline, flattered them. Song came on, obviously scored an amazing hat trick. Yeah. Um, but up until that point, I think Leicester could have actually walked away with three points, or if anything, could draw yeah. if they didn't. Um, obviously, have such shit defenders. Yeah, it um, kind of looked like they they kind of missed a bit of firepower in a way because it looked like Madison was creating some good opportunities, but it was like Dakar had that chance as well. Where? Well, yeah, that was piss poor. Like I was yeah. fuming. Four Leicester fans, and I'm not even a Leicester Leicester fan. Do you know what I mean? I think um, obviously I understand Vardy hasn't scored in six, but if that's Jamie Vardy, that's going in the back of the net. Those are the sort of chances that he he takes, you know. So I think Leicester could have went about it a bit differently, especially in the second half. You saw Dakar wasn't up for it in the first half. Why not put Vardy on in the second half and try and go for the win? That's what I would have done if I was Rogers. Yeah. I mean, is it a sense of like Leicester's team just looking, just looking not on on it at all? Because like they just look like they're just not really performing for Rogers. They don't look like they're. Well, you got Danny Ward in goal. Yeah, you got Danny Ward in goal. Like, what's he gonna do for you? He's he's terrible. You know, I don't even think he made a first team appearance for Liverpool when he was at us. So how is he now number one at Leicester? You get rid of Kasper Michael or he leaves to get do a new adventure and you haven't replaced him. You're putting your hopes in someone that's hardly had any first team minutes. Mm. So they're going to struggle massively as long as they have um, Danny Ward in between the sticks. I think they need to look at a new keeper in January, ASAP, to stay in the league. Yeah. George, do you think it's also like Leicester having to play players out of position in a sense? Because like... James Madison going forward and when he was playing a more central role looked like he could still do bits, but it just seems like he's not being utilised out on the right-hand side. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think it that that is a big part of it. And obviously we've had Madison playing, I'm just going to check exactly who's on the bench and everything as well, but Madison playing on that right-hand side, they've got the only other kind of options there are Mark Albrighton, who at this stage isn't really going to, I don't think he's going to do too much in the Premier League at this point. I think he's, He's been a great, like, you not utility player, like but a great kind of... Yeah, he's always been, like, someone you could rely upon uh, in terms of that Leicester side. And since I think he was there, I think he joined the season that they um, won the league from Villa. 
And um, apart from that, Iosi Perez, who, you know, I don't understand how how he's still at the club. It's probably only because they can't kind of find a suitor for him. But that was the story of Leicester's whole summer, really, wasn't it? In terms of, obviously, Schmeichel and, and Fafana went, you know, players that they... Don't know because with, with Schmeichel, he he didn't he had a he did have a very bad season last season. Peter Schmeichel, uh, Peter Schmeichel. I made this mistake before. Casper uh, Schmeichel, um, and yeah, like he he didn't have a great season at all. But it could go exactly the same route or worse with with Danny Ward. Like you replace someone who not only has been a very a very talented keeper, but has also been such a kind of figure for them over the past like decade or so in terms of his dedication to the club, how kind of powerful he, I, I think he was on the pitch in the dressing room as well. So it, it is a weird one, but yeah, like you said, with Madison play, being played out of position, I do think he's had these spells over the past couple of seasons where he's really shown that potential that he had early on, you know, when he was at Norwich and when he first came to Leicester. And I think he could still be, be, be great for them in a more central position. It's the same, like you said, with Vardy as well. Vardy, I think, that there's no there's no good enough kind of contingency plan for Vardy. It doesn't seem mm. like it doesn't seem like Rogers or the club know kind of where to go with this because obviously he's he's still probably if you look at their strike options he's probably still the most reliable out of the three. Um, okay. Pats and Dacca stylistically like was probably the closest to him and that was probably one of the reasons he was brought in. But he's not really been given that opportunity to to get any form of consistency or anything so it's a weird mixture of things but yeah I think players been played out of position all that kind of thing um it it definitely doesn't help you know you've got Harvey Barnes I think like majority of players are in position but with with someone like James Madison who can be so kind of important to the way that a team like Leicester play and so kind of important in terms of pushing the ball forward and getting goals getting assists he does really need to be playing in his preferred position I would say so yeah, yeah I think that I think that is a bit of an issue for them yeah, like Reese would obviously do our, our reaction pod to the England squad the other day and say, I've like, listened to like, the news and stuff this morning. A lot of lot of outlets are going, oh, James Madison's disappointed he didn't get in. But when he's in this Leicester side, he doesn't really have a chance, does he? I've always said I think James Madison's the best player England have in that position. So I think he's ahead of your Grealishes, your Fodens, your Mason Mounts. I think Madison is a baller. And I do think, yeah, the big club juice sometimes does stand for something when you're trying to get an England place. And I, I do think um, Madison can feel hard done by, regardless of playing for Leicester. Um, he always puts on numbers. Like He's such an important player to that Leicester side. And I'm surprised no one's come in for him. I mean, I know Spurs were linked with him in the summer, I think Newcastle but, had a bid rejected. And Newcastle had a bid rejected, but like, I think it's time Leicester let him move on. Like The, the kid's got a bag of potential, mm. and he always has done, you know. So, yeah, man, I think I think um, Southgate messed up there majorly. Do you agree with that, George? Or um, To an extent, I think... I, I do think he's... I don't think he's on the same level as... as as players like Foden, Mount and Grealish personally. But I think it's one of those, it's been a conversation over the past couple of seasons, how like that area of the field is quite congested in the England squad in terms of like attacking midfielders or, or kind of wide attackers who cut inside that kind of thing. Players like Grealish, Foden um, and, and Madison falls into that category. I think 
I do I do hope for him because I like I really like him as a player. I really like him as as just like a, a person as well. And I think he I hope he does get that move eventually to like a bigger club. I mean, at one point we thought Leicester was going to be like a good level for him. Obviously, they were winning the FA Cup. They were finishing in decent positions, but. Now it's come to the point where he almost it's the same category as players like Yuri Tielemans, where like he he deserves to be playing at a higher level at this point. Yeah. And I think it's just been that lack of consistency that's kind of come come back to bite him. And that's probably one of the reasons he's not got one of those moves to like a Spurs or 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 even even a Newcastle probably would be quite a good move for him at this point because they're they're kind of on an upward trajectory. And I don't see that with Leicester at all. So I think he's got a way to a fair way to go. Like I think Southgate, not including him, is as much about you know it partially is about his performance and his consistency, but it's also partially about like players like Foden and Mount being available. Kind of that there, there are kind of I know there's the argument to be had about Grealish has had like a not a brilliant start to the season at all at Man City really. Um, but but Southgate seems to have he he seems to have his reasons for for all of these decisions, but but yeah Madison I think he definitely does I I really hope he gets that he's got the talent and the kind of capability to be able to play at a a club at a higher level than Leicester so for sure like I I do hope he gets there yeah 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 so just like moving back to Spurs then before we before we move on obviously goals from Eric Dyer and Benton Cole Kane and then obviously Son's hat trick. Is like the piece of the jigsaw now kind of forming for Spurs? You think like they're now build, going to build up that consistency? Because we said it endlessly on the pod last year, George, um, that Spurs just always struggled against these sort of teams who are in that position at the table. Obviously, I know Leicester were have been highly regarded in previous seasons, but in terms of the way, the way they are now, is it that are we starting to see a bit more consistency from Spurs? No, no. <laughs> How can you, as a football fan, yeah? Like, I understand like a win's a win, but I'm just saying it as like someone that supports a top club myself. That if we was to play on the counter every single game, I would be bored. Yeah. And soon as a team took it to them and could take their chances and was clinical in the Champions League, Sport Sporting Lisbon had them, had them the whole game. Yeah. And I do think that. Other seasons, you would never hear me say that I think Arsenal will beat Spurs. But I do think Arsenal will beat Spurs the next fixture. I do honestly think that. I think Spurs have been very lucky in the sense of they've had an easy run in so far with who they've played in the league. A bit like Arsenal themselves, apart from they've had United and lost that. I do think Spurs will get caught out soon and I do think that will be Arsenal. Yeah. Yeah, well, say Arsenal has obviously started the season season well. Um, obviously, back to the top of the table. Um, they had a nice kickabout at, at Brentford. Um, were you <laughs> impressed with what you saw at uh, from Arsenal at the weekend, Rhys? Oh, man. Arsenal fans are going to love me for this, but right about now, they're looking like prime Liverpool. Like... They're always listen. Everyone's always going to be second fiddle to Man City, so it's, that's why I'm calling them the prime Liverpool because I think right about now they're taking our spot and they're looking so good, man. Mm. Every part of the pitch, their their front press. You try, if you beat their press, like they've just got players that are winning that ball back. Xhaka looks like a different player. 
Saliba. I've got no words for that guy, man. At 21 years old, and he's just he's running the show. I don't think there's a better centre back in the league right now. Um, and yeah, they just look all round great, man. So I think it's frightening times going forward for the rest of the league. Yeah, and um, we kind of said that. Oh, they, they they haven't got enough squad depth, and if they get injuries, they'll kind of just drop off or drop off a little bit. But say they didn't have Odegaard for the last game. They didn't have. Zinchenko for the last game. It's nice to see Terny back. Um, but it's nice to see, obviously, a bit more variety from Arsenal in terms of kind of who was getting their goals and kind of their performance in general. Yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, didn't know that was for. But no, um, yeah, it, it's good because I think at the start of the season, it was looking like it was just going to be like Gabby Jesus getting all the goals. And obviously, as you said, like with this game, Odegaard out injured, Smith Rose out injured, El Nenny's out injured. Um, I feel like someone else is out injured as well. Uh, Zinchenko still out injured. Sorry, yeah. Um, and we're seeing some like real like ability from Arteta, I think, to be able to deal with these things and be able to just kind of continue to to, to move on. As you, as Reese was saying, like Saliba's been phenomenal this season. And like I I didn't think he'd ever get the shot at Arsenal. I thought he would be loaned to like a French club time and time again and then just be sold to like a Marseille or a Lyon or something like that and kind of that would be his career. But it's, you know, I'm I'm glad that they've managed to actually get something out of him and it's a lot, it's probably even a lot more than everybody expected to be honest. But um, yeah, I mean, Ramsdale still performing very well. Xhaka proving his worth. Fabio Vieira obviously getting on the score sheet as well. You know, good good performance mm-hmm. from him. And then we also had a, a a guy on the bench. I don't know if you guys saw that Ethan Nwaneri on the bench, and he was he was twelve when COVID started. It's crazy, which isn't it? It is mad. Crazy like man. Fifteen, yeah, fifteen, fifteen years old, managing to get on the bench. So, I mean, obviously that does to to an extent it indicates they do have a lot of injury issues at the minute. They've got like Matt Smith on the bench. They've got a guy, a guy called Lino Lino Souza on the bench. I'm not actually sure exactly who that is but um they get these young young players coming through i mean to be fair though you see that at like liverpool and city you see the odd kind of 16 17 18 year old who you're not too familiar with getting on the bench every now and again so i think there's enough there's an an, enough squad depth i think they could still improve it but i Mm -hmm. think there is enough squad depth and yeah to be honest i think i i agree with reese in terms of like start of the season i still predicted liverpool second and i i feel like I can't quite remember, but I feel like I'm, I probably did put Arsenal third. And uh, I, I think it will be City far and above away. And then Liverpool and Arsenal really fighting for that second place. Mm. And I, I'm still torn now. Like I still, I would still, if I had a gun to my head, I'd still stick with Liverpool just. But, you know, Arteta is proof, is proof that like the, the conversation that everyone keeps having in terms of if you stick with someone, and allow them to build a team, get to know a team, work with a sporting director, etc., to build a team where ev- everyone suits everyone. You're but you're buying players for a system. It works eventually. Like things will start to stick. The players will start to gel, and we're seeing it. And you're seeing a, a, a really good mixture of kind of like experience, younger players from from the academy, younger players from abroad as well, from like Portugal, from um, from wherever else. And yeah, I just think they've they, they've done very very well in terms of recruitment and in terms of the way that they've built the squad. So, I think yeah, it's 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 definitely great for Arsenal fans. Great signs for Arsenal fans. So, yeah, hundred percent. 
Yeah, and so kind of moved on to Brentford. Like we kind of spoke about consistency already in, in this pod. Um, is it more, do you think it's more so like Brentford starting to get that second second season flutters or do you think it's, obviously they had a great performance um, obviously the week before the pause. Do you think it's, do you think that came at a bad time for them? Do you think they're just losing that, that consistency again now, George? Or do you see them just like bouncing back again? I think it's too hard to say, really. It's too kind of early to 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 say that because I think I'm not putting them yet into that same category as like your Sheffield Uniteds or or whoever else has kind of had that second season syndrome where they've come up and they've performed very well in the second season. It's kind of all fallen apart. But I'm just going to double check exactly who Brentford have got actually in their next uh, fixture. But yeah, they got Bournemouth um, on the 1st of October. So it's a good opportunity for them to kind of bounce back from this defeat. Obviously, Arsenal, I think, is a very hard place to go for any club at the moment. So yeah. I don't think that kind of shows us that Brentford are falling apart or anything like that. I think losing the creativity of like Ericsson is is a big miss for them. But I think, you know, they've they've kept things sensible in the in the transfer window. Ivan Tony looks like he's having a good spell at the moment. Obviously, he's got himself into the England setup as well. I, I don't think there's anything massive to worry about for Brentford. Like I think I, I predicted early on in the season that they'd stay up. I still think they will stay up. I think there are, if you look at the teams in the league this season, I think there are at least three teams that are worse than them, essentially. So I think they'll be all right. I think, I, I don't think they can expect to be finishing like 10th or upwards, but I think anything, anything that's kind of 15th or above is a great achievement for Brentford. So, yeah. yeah, I don't think there's too much to worry about for him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so it's kind of still hard to predict, isn't it, really, even at this stage, kind of who who is going to be down there? Because like, there's been some unexpected starts to the season and some some like expected ones, I suppose. Um, but it was like a bottom-of-the-table clash on Friday night um, for your team, George. But I'm going to ask Reese first what his thoughts were on the Villa Southampton game. Uh, Villa just getting a goal just for half time from Jacob Ramsey. Is uh, were Villa right to kind of brush off all the Gerard sacking rumours and stick by him? That was the shittest game of football I have ever ever watched. I will say that right now. That was so boring. Yeah, I'll agree I with felt, that. I felt that like I got robbed of my Friday night. Honestly. <laughs> It was that bad. You got like, robbed your Friday night. Just wait till we're back. What we're going to talk to you after the break? Fucking hell. <laughs> oh, mate. It was so bad. But listen, the win's the win. The win's a win, isn't it? Like, at the end of the day, that's the sort of result Gerard needed. I mean, he got a 1 1 draw against City the week before, or the week before that. Obviously, there's been a little break going on for a few teams. So um, I feel, feel like a back to back of a draw against City. And then obviously a win against um, Southampton. I don't think he's shaping up too bad now. And obviously if he can continue that form into the next game, I think all will be forgotten about, if I'm honest, for Gerard. Yeah. Yeah, well, we, like, we, we spoke on the last pod, George, about kind of Villa getting their shape back. And and me and say on the pod that unfortunately we didn't get to release, we kind of said that he's starting to play players back in their more natural positions again. And looking at the, the way that Gerard lined up, it looked exactly that this game. Yeah, I'd say so. It definitely looked like it looked like a kind of more sensible tactically than the normal than or that we've experienced recently. Like, I think that's it's something that that, that Gerard kind of liked last season was playing that kind of four three two one kind of thing with sort of three central midfielders, that trio of 
Last season, it was McGinn, Ramsey and Douglas Louise. And this season, it's been Bubakar Kamara, who's been brilliant, but obviously he went off injured. Mm. Um, and we've had really bad luck with the kind of new signings this season in terms of their, their injuries, obviously with Diego Carlos as well. But yeah, it's it looked more sensible. I completely agree with what Reese was saying. It was a turgid game of football. Like it was such a boring game to watch. But at, at this point, from Gerard's perspective and from the club's perspective, a, a win is a win. And like, yeah, that's that's all you can really hope for. But it looked a little bit safer. Like there weren't many points in the game where I was like, oh, we're going to throw, throw away the lead because that's such a kind of prevalent thing in terms of the, well, for however long I can really remember as a Villa fan is kind of scoring the first goal and then throwing it away and kind of conceding multiple go- goals late on. But yeah, like Leon Bailey started off pretty poorly and then kind of grew into the game and had some really great moments in that game. Ollie Watkins, I'm just kind of hoping and waiting for him to get some form of kind of, you know, accuracy on goal and just kind of decisiveness in front of goal because he seems to have just lost it. I don't know if it's him being rotated more and more out of the team and not being the main guy anymore. Mm. But yeah, Coutinho didn't didn't play too badly. Ramsey and McGinn had, like McGinn's got a lot of criticism this season, but he had a fairly good game by his standards as well. Tyrone Mings was one of the best players of the game, in my opinion, as well. And I've, I know if anyone's been listening back to the early days of um, of the full-time whistle, we'll know that I've kind of been quite critical of, of Mings before. But he he is, on his day when he performs well, he is an incredibly solid uh, defender and a great kind of like leader on the pitch. But for me, I think another thing that kind of listeners will might know if they if they've been listening for a while is kind of how I was a bit skeptical of Gerard when he came in. But it's the same position now where I don't think there's any point. Like I, I'm still skeptical of him because he still hasn't really ever proven himself to be a great manager anywhere. But I just don't see why we would sack him at this point because who is going to come in who's better? Now, I've heard people saying, you know, if Leicester sat Rogers, why don't we go for Rogers? But I don't really know if that's the, the current position we're in. I don't know if that's an upgrade in terms of his career he's had. It's an obvious, it's an obvious upgrade, but there's not really anyone readily available who I'd be like, yeah, let's, I'd have him over Gerard because it does disrupt the project as well slightly. So, I'd say for now, like at least until the World Cup, give him give him some time to hopefully progress on one of these one of these kind of wins and actually kind of start to build something. Because I saw a clip on Twitter earlier of like um, I can't remember who it was against, but there's a clip of like Villa playing against a team last season after Gerard came in, and it was the passing was incredible. Like it was it was one of those where someone tweets it and is like, "Oh, this is like prime Barca, like Tiki Taka." Mm. And it was it was really good. And everyone's just saying, like, what happened to that? Like, mm. that's been the tale with Gerard has been like the odd game where you've been like, oh, like, this is really good. Like, hopefully you can carry it on. And then the next game has been like a bit weird. But yeah, I mean, overall, like, a fi- it, it was a fair performance from Villa. Like, it wasn't anything incredible, but it got the job done. So, I'm yeah, I'm happy with that. Yeah, I saw you had lift up a couple of times during... Uh... George's monologue there is anything you disagreed with there about Gerard not being a good manager anywhere else I mean didn't he go undefeated with Rangers I know it's only the Scottish League but he obviously did well there inexperienced manager went there stopped Celtic winning the league which took took them ages to do um, from what I know Um, I just think obviously when you're stepping into a club like Villa 
all respect to Villa, that obviously they are a big club in England. He's dealing with big players. There isn't like he's he hasn't stepped into like a a Brentford or like a Bournemouth or a, sorts of club, or yeah. a Bournemouth sort of role. Do you know what I mean? He's stepped into like a team with like Danny Ings, who's proven in the Premier League at different clubs. Ollie Watkins, who obviously did decent under the the manager previous as well. Um, you've got Coutinho that he's obviously played with at Liverpool and went on to play for Barca, didn't work out there, Bayern Munich, etc. Got an England international in Tyro Mings. You've got Matty Cash. He's dealing with big players. So it's just about finding that balance and then finding what is the best team. And obviously, again, maintaining some form with, with his strongest team. And I just think he's had a bit of a struggle finding out what is his mm. best team and keeping them all fit at the same time. Obviously, they brought in, what, Diego Carlos in the yeah. summer. From what I remember when he was at, was it Seville? He was a, he was a great centre-back there. Um, so he he's a big miss stepping into this side, do you know what I mean? I think they would have probably went with Konza and Diego Carlos. I don't really think Gerard fancies Mings that much. I think that's a bit... Mm. I think when you obvious the, when you strip him of the captaincy as well, it looks like he's not going to be in the first. Yeah, I mean, force, yeah, that's yeah. a bit obvious. Do you know what I mean? So he would have went with Konza, and people was um, calling for Konza to get called up for England last year for the Euros. So I think, um, yeah, Konza's it would have been Konza and uh, Diego Carlos at the back. So yes, for for me, Gerard's a decent manager just needs to find out what's what and he's obviously still inexperienced but you just got to give a man like that time you know yeah and so just touching on Southampton George just before we kind of go for a break it's again we keep talking about consistency in this episode that's it must be the main title of this episode so um but again it just didn't look like they put up much of a fight it's like again like we both all said it wasn't an interesting game to watch but Obviously, Southampton contributed to that and didn't really, well, I don't know, it just wasn't entertaining from their side, was it? Southampton are sh- absolutely shit, mate. Southampton are. They're just like, I've, I just feel like, again, it's been the whole case where they're just not pushing on to the next level at all. You just kind of, they just sort of have stagnated at the same level for such a long time. Yeah. And like, I do rate Harsen Huttle as a manager. I think he's, a, I do think he's a really good manager. But I just think, you know, obviously they've gone for a different approach like this summer and maybe like last winter. I mean, even last summer to an extent where they go into the top clubs and kind of poaching their young players. Obviously, like they had like Livramento from Chelsea last season. This season, they've gone out and got um, like a load of Man City players like um, uh, Romeo Lavia. But then they've also gone abroad and signed like Bella, like if you look at the players, they ha- they are great players and you can tell that they're really good players. Like a lot of them, some of them aren't like, I don't rate people like Ibrahima Diallo, El Yunusi, Gineppo that highly, even mm. Shea Adams. I'm not a massive fan, but then guys like Bella Kotchap, Salisu, Walker Peters, like that they're, they're actually the James Ward Prowse obviously as well. Like they are quality players. And like, I just feel like it's a bit of a gamble from Southampton going out and getting these like 18 year old Man City players. Yeah. You know, the, the the majority of them who have played have, they have been performing well. Like, obviously we've seen uh, Juan Larios, I think, come in in that game. Um, it was Joe Aribo as well. As had he, he came in from Rangers and has been good. So like, it, it's been a bit of a weird mishmash for them in the window, but I just think 
they need to they need to push on. I don't know if they still have this thing. They had a thing last season where they didn't want to spend over fifteen mil on one player. Yeah. Um, and I heard from somewhere that they were going to get Mark Kukurea before he went to Brighton. And um, but yeah, it's just like a, a total mishmash. Like I don't kind of get what their direction is. I think they're trying to form an identity of getting these young players, but you know, we'll see. We'll see how they fare. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we'll leave it there for now. Um, so we're going to take a quick break. And then when we're back, um, unfortunately for myself, we're going to start at the city ground and uh, we can only get better from there. So, yeah, we'll see you after the break. Welcome back to the second half of this podcast on the full-time whistle. Um, it pains me to start the second half with an appalling event that occurred on Friday evening, and that's Forrest's defeat 3-2 to um, Fulham. The second time in a row that Forrest has threw away um, a half-time lead against a, another club that they got promoted with as well. Um, so I don't know if you two obviously seen much of the game. Um but for me, it I don't know where to start with it, really. Um, but the only place we can start is leaving Lewis O'Brien on the bench, George. Yeah, like I was saying to you before we started recording about how he's looked great whenever he's played this season. Like He was really good last season, was at Huddersfield, wasn't it, last season yeah. in the Championship? And even since he's been at Forest, he's looked really good. I don't know why, I don't know if there was a reason he didn't get started, like... I'm not entirely sure, but I really like... I, I don't know exactly how he's done for Forrest so far, but I really like Raymond Freuler as kind of like a, a ball progressor, just kind of like mm-hmm. a, that player in the middle of the park who really kind of pushes the game forward. But I don't... I think like O'Brien seems like he's been in form and I don't get why he wouldn't have started. But I know yeah. on the... on the If we reference it again, the episode that never was that we did a couple of weeks ago, yeah. I think you you were saying about how some of the squad selection, uh, not squad selection, but f- like starting lineup selection was um, a little bit a little bit off, and yeah. I think it's t- to a degree like in this game, like a kind of it made a little bit more sense. But I still there there are some players where you just think is that kind of become a bit of a running theme this season for you guys? Yeah, it seems that way. Like it was obviously nice to kind of see a striker start this game for sure, and say in his second second start and he got his second goal tie one year so it was good to see um but it just kind of seems to be like i don't know if it's loyalty towards these players or not but my players like ryan yates i know he's, he's kind of been the one who's been slated the most over this kind of weekend but it just it, it was his fault for all of the goals in a way like i wouldn't say it's his direct fault obviously he's got players behind him and is obviously making up the team can do as a whole but I kind of think it was kind of his mistakes or his wrong position that kind of led to the goals. Um, but other than that, it's like we just don't seem to be that fluid. It's like Nico Williams didn't really have a have a great game this this time round, and say running Lodi, he came in against Man City, and even though we lost six nil, it seemed like he he played better in that game than he has done in the following two games against obviously Bournemouth and Fulham. Um, and yeah, as for Broiler, I, I didn't even realise he was playing at some points of the game. Um, which is obviously which is weird because say we brought in Atalanta's captain, who 
say he's played in the Champions League, done really well. Um, and again, Brennan Johnson just didn't look like he was he was in the game either. So I don't know. I don't know what you, your thoughts, Reese. You kind of feel like is it more forest progression? We need to kind of bring in the players. Like Emmanuel Dennis only got six minutes at the weekend as well. I think it's a big ask asking a team that's just got promoted to the Premier League playing players that haven't played in the Premier League, if you get where I'm coming from. Yeah. So you're bringing them from abroad, hoping for the or best. Or the championship. Or the championship. Like, you needed to buy in-house, if anything. So play the players that have played in the league. So obviously, what you got that Czech Kiyote guy, Kiyote, yeah. however you want to say his name. Obviously, he was at Palace. You've got Emmanuel Dennis that played in the league last season at Watford. That was actually decent. But you're bringing them on for what six minutes? You just said, yeah. You got Jesse Lingard. Um, th- those are the sort of players that you just got to start just because they've been in the league, you know, and they know yeah. they got the know-how. Yeah. Um, or at least mix them in with the players that are coming from abroad, like the Atlanta captain. You got your Lodi that is obviously was at Atletico Madrid. I thought he played quite decent in the Champions League last year when I see him play. I just think it's a big learning curve for Forrest at the moment. Mm. Uh, I don't think you can ask too much from them because I think everyone saw them in the in the FA Cup run last year when they had Arsenal and Liverpool that they can get down and play, you know, like they can play ball. So those games will come. But yeah. for now, it's just about players gelling and getting to know each other and yeah, finding think- that system, you know. We had so much like great pos- positive team spirit last year. And I think obviously... We have made twenty-two new signings, and like as you said, like not not really any of them have had Premier League experience. Bar like obviously Lingard and Cuyate, who who are kind of on paper you probably wouldn't even put in your starting lineup in terms of like other players who can start at those positions and who Forest have actually spent more money on. Do you think it is just their lack of experience at the at the moment, George, which is letting us down? Because I don't know what your thoughts on that. Like I was fuming the other day after the game, but. There was part of me that even thought that Cooper could have lost his job on Friday night. I'm obviously pro Cooper staying, but do you think that was a possibility as well? I think I hope I do hope he gets given like a fair fair amount of time because it is a big ask for. I don't obviously know in terms of the the transfers in the summer whose choices like a lot of these players were. I don't know exactly what the tra- do. You, do you know anything about like who makes more the most of the decisions or anything like that? Yeah, well, yeah, we kind of. Obviously, Cooper's head coach, so obviously he has a say, but I kind of feel like most of the players are bought, are scouted and, and bought higher up in kind of like our direction of football and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at the players, there there is a good, if you look overall at the 22 players, there are a fair amount of players there who have Premier League experience, like we've touched on Kiate, Lingard. as well, we forgot about him. Yeah, Serge Aurier, even like Willy Bolly and, and Henderson and players like that as well, who... And and players like Renan Lodi, who have played at a high level, albeit in a in a what I consider to be a weaker league, but for a, a big Champions League club. And then guys like Romo Freuler, who have played in that kind of I, I don't know. I think maybe I, I, I struggle to think of many managers who or many head coaches who wouldn't struggle gelling twenty-two new players into a, a squad. Obviously, it was kind of necessary because of the amount of like like lone players that Forrest had last season, or just players who kind of weren't necessarily Premier League level players. I almost yeah. think from looking from an outside perspective, 
it, it almost felt, felt like last season Forrest didn't expect to be promoted. Yeah, and I think I that that kind of caused it, it was almost in a way it was kind of like a season too soon sort of thing. But yeah. it doesn't mean that they can't push on because like they've got the quality and like over the course of a season, they because they've still got those players who were who were playing at the club last season, the guys like Yates and McKenna and Steve Cook, who and Brennan Johnson obviously as geez, just dropped my phone. Brennan Brennan Johnson obviously as well, who um was great last season in the championship, but it's 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 not unexpected that he would kind of struggle slightly to adapt, but for yeah, me, I mean that's got, the thing. It's not like they've, Cooper. Yeah, it's like it's not like they've they've kind of played Premier League level and then they've come down a peg and then so they kind of yeah. can go. Oh, at right, this time I can up my game. I'll we'll see. It is going to be a learning curve, but I think the most frustrating thing as a Forest fan is in the way we've been defeated. Like you can take yeah. a defeat, but I think obviously when you're winning at half time, and then you come out and when you should be have fire in your belly to get more, that's kind of when we folded. And obviously, you can't Definitely. do that to, to the best of teams. But when it's two teams you've been promoted with and kind of your levelers, it's it's a bit more hard to take, I think, isn't it, Reese? Fulham have made decent signings as well. Do you know what I mean? And Fulham have been in the pre- season. Fulham have looked good, and they've been in the league before. And I'm sure some of their players that are actually in their team now have played in the league as well. Um, they look like and their manager, their belly, to be fair, Fulham. Their manager's been there though. Their manager's been in the league himself. I'm sure. What was he at Watford? Watford, Everton, Hull, and Everton. Yeah, so he's been in the league. So he, he, that all counts for something, in my opinion, when it comes to these newly promoted teams. And yeah, I think Fulham have actually out the teams that have been promoted. They've probably been the, be- the best team so far. Yeah. So I wouldn't look too much into it for Forrest, if I'm honest. I just think at the moment, it's still early days for everyone. Um, the league's tight in, in all places in the league. I mean, yeah. team at the top can lose two games and someone that's eighth or ninth can somehow creep up to second and first. So no one's pulled away yet. So yeah, I wouldn't yeah. be too worried for Forest. Yeah, and to be fair, George, you kind of obviously I don't want to take anything away from Fulham because they have been great this season. Obviously, seven games in the sixth from the table with with three wins and two draws. Um, so it, again, as I could have said, it kind of seems like they've they've taken a different stance coming back into the Premier League this time, and Marco Silva has got got the fire going. Yeah, well, I mean, it's kind of credit to them, I guess. Like, they've obviously gone up and kind of... Last season, they splashed a load of money on on kind of bigger-name players. I don't think it's quite... I don't. I think, like, Forrest kind of needed to do it, and I don't feel like Fulham needed to do it as much when they did it. And they yeah. kind of, I felt like, went for kind of big names rather than what Forrest have done, where they've kind of built the looked, squad. For, looked for, like, bargains and stuff and kind of built the squad. So I don't think you can really compare the two situations, but... Fulham obviously looked at that and gone like last time that failed like catastrophically and they've gone on like a different direction and they've decided to kind of be a little bit more conservative with the signings and like guys like Andreas Pereira who has been quite poor like at United apart from obviously in pre-seasons but he's he's like a deep for for a Fulham like he's not a bad signing at all mm. they've got um Joel Palinio, which I thought was an incredible signing. Like I thought he'd go to a, a bigger side, to be honest. But they've yeah, they've done well in terms of the transfers. Burnt Leno, I think, a good a good transfer. Like 
Willian, I'm not too sure how much he's going to contribute because I do think he's kind of passed it. I think he showed that at Arsenal. But, you know, we'll see. He'll he'll contribute something at least. So And he's got a lot of experience in the Prem as well. So I think people were worried about, like, Tim Ream still being in the starting lineup, but he's actually been pretty good. Like he was, mm. he was, he was pretty decent in the last couple of games. So for Fulham, I, again, I think Fulham, I, I feel like I put Fulham to be relegated at the start of the season, but out currently, I mean, we're six, seven games in. I think they've played seven games and they're in sixth place. Currently, they're looking the least likely to get relegated out of the promoted sides, but obviously, stuff can change like so quickly. So you can't yeah. really say too much, like. But I'm glad Mitrovic is getting a, a decent shot as well, and then they've yeah. got players to come back as well from injury, like Manuel Solomon, who's an interesting signing. Harry Wilson, obviously, he was good last season. I think um, is it Anthony Robinson as well, who plays at left back. I think he's yeah he's due to come back in a couple of months' time, um, or maybe even sooner than that, possibly. So yeah, they've got they've got the credentials to be able to, to sort of stay up, and I do I do quite like what Fulham have done this season. Yeah, yeah. So going from like the unexpected, um, or so, so yeah, the unexpected, and carrying on on that, on that path. Obviously, West Ham's start of the season. We're kind of talking about this at half time, George. Um, is very unexpected, especially kind of they finished the season kind of strongly last season, bar their kind of European drama at the end. Are you surprised to see West Ham playing the kind of the way they are, Reese, or do you kind of feel like it's come to bite them on the arse a little bit? I'm not surprised with West Ham, if I'm honest. And I shouldn't be saying this because my granddad's a West Ham fan, but fuck me, they're shit, man. (laughs) Like, that performance against Everton was absolutely woeful. They made Alex Awobi look like Zinedine Zidane, like prime Zidane. all his stats all over Twitter at the weekend. Mate, it was... But it's not exaggerated. Like, he looked crazy. Like, Arsenal would go back in for him tomorrow. He was that good. Like, it was just, for me, again, I think it's just a situation where they've obviously brought new players in. Like, you've got your Lucas Paqueta. You've got that, um, I think they pronounce it Kara at the back, the centre-back. I haven't been too impressed with him. Um, I've never been a fan of Kufal. I heard the commentator say the other day that Kufal and Cresswell are like the B-Tech, um, Andy Robertson and... Trent Alexander-Arnold with their uh-huh. energy going think, forward think, and chipping in. I think BTEC's uh, giving them too much praise. Well, this is it, mate. Foundation stage, whatever you want to call them. Like They're, they're just awful. But um, I think Declan Rice has clocked out, if I'm honest. I, I don't think he's been playing as well as he has done in previous seasons. I think he's mentally, is he like, mentally clocked out. Club? Yeah, 100%, man. I think... I think teams went in for him last summer that obviously it probably didn't come out to the public that um, teams went in for him. But I reckon a few teams were sniffing for him, especially like given the fact that he's played a whole season after the Euros. Yeah. Um, teams probably went in for him then. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? And um, yeah, I think he's clocked out. I don't think Shuchek is as good as he was that season when he was just arriving in the box constantly, getting a goal. Yeah. Antonio, so inconsistent. It's a joke. Looks a problem, but he doesn't put it in the back of the net enough. And Jared Bowen, man, mm-hmm. he was the biggest surprise to me this season. Like, he was unreal last year, and now he just looks like half the player he was last season. So 
Yeah, I think West Ham will struggle if I'm honest. I'm gonna, I, I, I actually have them to go down this season. Yeah. Well, we we kind of spoke about kind of Jared Bowen's form um, on our England reaction episode, and it kind of seems like throughout the summer, West Ham they didn't really do their business too early, and then we had like rumors of the Suchek falling out, and then and then they brought in players like Schumacher and and then Corne from from Burnley. And certainly they should be starting, George, really. Yeah, you'd think so. Like, I think from on paper, I think their signings are up there with some of the best in the league, because to be fair, like Paqueta, I think is an incredible signing. He could have easily gone to a a much bigger club or, well, a much kind of bigger club in the current context of the league and everything. Corne, I think, was just a really sensible pickup from like a relegated side. I think if any club below the top six can pick up like quality players from relegated teams, they should do that. Emerson, I think, is a fairly good signing as like a rotation with, with Aaron Cresswell on that side. Skamaka, I think, is a good signing as well. Mm. So I don't really know what it I don't I don't really know what it is that's not working for them this season because they have a they have a really, really good squad. Like Tilo Kerr, I'm not too sure. Like he hasn't really been a regular at PSG. So he's not I don't know what in terms of his consistency. I think it was was it Leverkusen? It was it, he performed like very well in the Bundesliga before he went mm. to PSG, but he hadn't really shown it for kind of a good four or five years, I don't think. Um, yeah. So I thought that was a bit of a risky signing. I thought he would maybe go to like a kind of a team kind of punching slightly lower than than West Ham, but yeah, with, with Declan Rice, I don't know what it is. I don't know whether he does have his eye on like a, a move to Chelsea or a move to to wherever else or whether it's just symptomatic of like the rest of the team not performing well as well, which is kind of making him look worse. Mm. But it's it's a strange one because, yeah, as you said, Jared Bowen as well is in a sort of similar category where you think how can like uh, something must have gone wrong. There must be something fundamentally like going wrong for all of these players like who performed so, so well last season. You know, Rice, Suchek, Bowen, um, you know, even even like... Kufal and Cresswell like I don't I think it's kind of I think they've both had their moments and they've also had moments when they've not been so good but everything's just kind of gone out of the window at the start of the season so I don't know it'll be interesting to know like why that's happened or yeah we we said always puts it down to and stuff yeah we said like early on in the pod this season like myself and myself and Luke we kind of both kind of agreed that we kind of feel like West Ham have come quite stagnant and obviously Moyes has progressed the club a lot over the last few years, but it's kind of seemed he's got to a point there now where he's kind of, I won't say run out of ideas, but he kind of just doesn't know which way he's kind of direct the club now. He's like, because he even get like getting snappy in like post match interviews and stuff now. Yeah, it's a, it's it's a weird one because I thought I, I'm I'm kind of with you on that. Like I don't know what where they go next because for me they're in that weird cat. They're almost in like a category by themselves where you've obviously got the top six and then they're kind of below, well, last season they were like below that top six. Probably like Leicester might have joined them in that category it's, as well. Yeah, like it was it was the, it was was the a similar position to where Leicester have been over like the last kind of two, three, four years up until kind of last season and this season where like they don't, I don't know how they break into that top six, but then at the same time they're, they're kind of consistently going to be better than all the other clubs. And like the the signings that they've made have been in in like like have have kind of made sense regarding that kind of position. Like in terms of 
they've made signings that you'd expect a team finishing like sixth, seventh in the league to to make. But there's obviously just something gone wrong. I don't know whether Moyes has just kind of hit the end of a cycle and they need a bit of like a a, a refresh manager wise. But I think it would it would still be very trigger happy to kind of go in and sack Moyes now. But mm. at the same time, like you know, if they're in a position say like January where they're in, a, in and they're in a similar position and you might think maybe like Moyes has just hit the end of a cycle and there's not really any further he can take the club maybe they need just like a fresh kind of like a person with fresh ideas to come in and kind of just revamp things a little bit but it's yeah he's obviously elevated the club massively but hope uh, he'll just surely hope I think that he, he's not going to drag them back kind of back down to where they were I suppose in the first place yeah and so Rishi kind of spoke about um Awobi's brilliant performance in in that game. Um again, consistency. Um Arefton like trying to pick that up now. Obviously, Neil Morpe got his goal as well. It's just you still just look at that side and you still don't I still don't think it shouts success at me or it doesn't it just doesn't entertain me looking at that squad. It's the blue noses. Yeah. I think Lampard's found like his midfield three now. So like, especially the game that I watched when Liverpool played Everton, they've got Onana. He looks decent, very very good. Like, I think he's gonna move on to a big club within the next two years if he continues this form. Um, Idris Gay's come back obviously from his PSG stint. What what a signing for them. He like literally has that midfield tick in, clears it up, plays it simple, good signing. And then obviously Awobi's just been on top form. I mean, they can get Domari Gray and Anthony Gordon playing consistently good. Then I don't see why they can't be doing what obviously Leicester and West Ham have been doing mm. and troubling the top six, you know, or breaking into the top five or four. Um, because going forwards, them players are more than good enough to maybe get a move. I mean, I'm not the biggest fan of Anthony I, Gordon. I don't think Morpé was the striker either. No, but obviously Morpé is just there for the for the reason that Calvert Lewin's out. As soon as Calvert Lewin's fit again, Calvert Lewin plays forever and every day. Like everyone mm. knows this, yeah. and he's more than good enough to score 15, 20 goals a season if he's fit and if he's on form. So I, I think my only concern is is that when Cody and Tarvoski come up against a quick striker, how much can them two withstand being slow coaches? So I've been really impressed with Nathan Patterson and Milenko, to be fair to him, Mikolenko. Mm. Um, and yeah, I've been impressed. I've been impressed with Everton so far this season. I, I don't think um, Lampard's done a bad job so far. I think, I think it's just the draws that have obviously killed them. But again, they're only like, what three points off of Chelsea in sixth place? Obviously, Chelsea have played a game less. So, as I said, the table's just so tight at the moment that like anything can happen. Mm. So, I actually think Everton's in a good place at the moment. And that win on the weekend against West Ham has actually done them quite well. Yeah. Yeah. No, it pains me to agree because I thought they'd be down there um, with the likes of Forest at this point. But they've kind of they have this show now. And again, I think a lot of people have. have We've had this Gerard Lampard debate, so it kind of feels like Lampard has a bit of a point to prove in at the moment. He seems like he's he's succeeding. Um, 
So well, they're get... on the same points, Gerald and Lampard. Gerald's a better manager and a better player. So <laughs> there we go. That's uh, <laughs> bringing back a debate from a previous pod. There, I know uh, you wanted it. Always, mate. Always. <laughs> you know what? One of my mates uh, messaged me, and uh, he really disagreed. Ben, you said um, <laughs> Roy Keane is or is just like Jordan Henderson. Like, hey, like, I don't know why people can't see it for what it is. Like, there's always passengers. How do, how do I mute? Wait one sec. All right, there you go. Um, so George, let's uh let's go on to uh a player that you know well and uh, Jack Grealish. He got he got a goal within the first um first minute, and then obviously had that awful challenge against him. Um, what did you make of uh of their performance on uh, Man City's performance on Saturday? <laughs> Yeah, well, I just think it was another like fairly solid performance from City. It's just what you expect at this point. Grealish, I'm I'm glad for him that he managed to get a goal. It doesn't like fix everything in terms of his start to the season, but it is it is hard for a City player to kind of I don't know. It can it can be difficult for someone who's used to playing every single available minute at Villa and then going to City and is kind of a rotation option. It will be hard for him to get form because it's been that long that he's been a rotation option. Probably like going back to like 2015 was the last time that he was rotation option at club level. And, you know, Haaland just continues to like defy physics pretty much. He's just mm. phenomenal. Like I wasn't, I wasn't as like set on him being like tearing up the league as other people were because he's had his injury issues at Dortmund. It's uh, with like Pep and the way that he rotates players out of the side. I didn't know whether Haaland would get like 25 goals this season. I thought maybe he'd get like 15, but at this rate, like he, I don't know what he's going to, I don't know what he's going to finish on to be fair. Um, But yeah, just a solid game, like happy for Grealish as well. Obviously there was the Burnley red card as well, which helped, but I, I, uh, sorry, not Burnley, Wolves, Wolves. because Nathan Nathan Collins Collins, played for Burnley before, didn't he? Um, but yeah, City didn't really need uh, Wolves to, to get a red card to to have a victory like this, but it helped. But yeah, City, it just doesn't really surprise me at this point. They could just go and, and kind of win every single game in this fashion, really. Yeah, Reese. obviously you're allowed to talk again now if you're not going to spout any nonsense. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like, in terms of the Gerard thing, I sort of, I'm Maybe not I... like... I'm not so against it. Like I do think Gerard was a better player, but I think that's a a conversation for another day, probably. Yeah, when we um, when <laughs> I'll we... mute myself. <laughs> <laughs> when we revisit the, it wasn't the Gerard comment. I'm happy with that debate. It's more the, the Roy Keane. Yeah, Roy the Roy Keane. Keane. I can't. I can't really agree with that, to be honest. But you know, everyone's entitled to their opinion. So yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, <laughs> I think uh, there's just a bit of biases against uh, Roy Keane, the Manchester United from from Reece. No nibble there. No, 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 there's no nibble. <laughs> Fire away. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, again, Wolves just haven't seemed to kind of get get off the mark this season. Obviously, it's again, it's they've been in the league for a few seasons now. It kind of seems like this season is the one they seem to be struggling in the most. And those obviously early days. Um, does Diego Costa improve this Wolves side race? It's a weird one, isn't it? Because obviously, like, I don't know how long Jimenez is out for, but like, why have they got Costa? 
have they got him for the fact that when Jimenez is injured, they play Costa, so they got a focal point. If that's the case, when Wolves do have a focal point up front, they look decent. Jimenez has been a loss for them this season, in my opinion. They've just needed someone to play through the middle that can hold the ball up for the wide players to make their runs. And, you know, you know what I mean? So, yeah, I think Wolves have been unlucky with injuries this year. And obviously, again, they've signed new players that are just adapting to the league as such. So, you know, your Gonzalo Guedes, um, your Matis Nunes. Um, I don't know how long Kilman's been there. I don't know who Max Kilman played for before. Has he always been at Wolves? He came from Futsal, didn't he? Yeah, I think he's been there for like a season, maybe. I'm not sure. He's only been yeah. a he hasn't been a regular for like ages. But yeah, he came from he did come from Futsal. But um, yeah, yeah. I, I see that he's played for Maidenhead like four years ago, and then obviously <laughs> since well, yeah, for Maidenhead, which is what National League South, I think. Yeah, so to make that big down. step up into the league, like Premier League as well, like it's a big ass man. So yeah, they've still got, and he's looks quite decent as well. To be fair, Matt Skillman, I don't even think he's been that bad. Um, and then obviously yeah, Collins, is, Collins has just come from Burnley, as you just said. Um, was it Collins that came from Burnley? Yeah, he's the one who got yeah. sent off. For, yeah. um, an awful challenge. And then, yeah, they've got other players that, you know, they've just signed. Well, actually, no, they haven't just signed him. Said a different name on the sheet that I had. It said Castro. But obviously, Johnny's playing right back. Yeah. Um, I, I just feel sorry for Leeds. Uh, not Leeds, Wolves, sorry. I just feel sorry for them in the terms of that they've had a few injuries and whatnot. And yeah, I think they'll be good. But playing this Man City side, you're always going to struggle. So, yeah, yeah, they can't feel too hard done by yeah, I was well, quite excited by them signing Sasa Kaladzic as well from uh, Stuttgart, who came in and got injured straight away. I think he was he was almost going to be that like I think he's good enough to not be a Jimenez like backup. He's good enough to be a starter for for Wolves, I think. But I think he had his injuries last season at Stuttgart, and um, they've just continued this season, which is a shame. But like he's like six foot seven, six foot eight, something like that. But he's like really good on the ball, so. If he can come in, and I think he's he's not going to be out for ages. So I think like next month if he comes back, and then with Diego Costa, I guess it's just a is it a six month or a year contract? Like I, I think don't it's think just, uh, until the end of the season. Isn't it? Yeah, so I think it's 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 decent. Like I think they they've done they've done sensibly to give himself like three striker options. Like you'd hope that uh, uh, most of the time one of them will be fit and they will have at least someone who can score goals available. Like that's I guess just the aim at this point for Wolves because they've had such poor luck with like injuries um, to like Jimenez and people like that and then Fabio Silva not being very good and he's been loaned out so yeah it'll be it'll be interesting but I think Wolves have had it hard but I think like I still think they'll probably stay up this season yeah yeah Um, so yeah just briefly before we finish then obviously Newcastle uh, and Bournemouth ending their one-all draw Um, Philip Billing on the score sheet again for Bournemouth uh, manager of Bournemouth, and I think they kind of it's weird. They seem to have obviously upped the game since Scott Parker left, and there seems to be a bit more grit and determination there. It's like that maybe that interim manager bounce. Um, and then also Isak, we're getting to see his ability in the Premier League. I know it was only a penalty this week, but 
I think like talking of strikers who have joined the Premier League, obviously we've had Haaland and obviously Nunes. Isak's up there one of the good like good signings of, of the summer, isn't he? Blair and a half. Yeah. Especially on his debut against Liverpool. I mean, he could cause us a few problems. I know defensively we ain't been great this year, so it's hard to judge um his performance against us on him being good. But um yeah, man, he's been an absolute revelation for them. I, I think I mean, considering Callum Wilson's out, yeah. I think he's stepped into the shoes of Callum Wilson and he's actually it actually shows that if Callum Wilson gets injured or Isak gets injured and they've got at least one of them that Newcastle have always got someone that's going to score a goal, you know? Yeah. So, yeah, I think ESAT's been a quality addition for them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's what we've got to say about that game, to be honest with you. It wasn't, again, it wasn't the most exciting game from, obviously, what we saw. Um, I just, I want to finish on, just so I know that you like to talk about Liverpool, Reese, and I saw <laughs> a lot of things on Twitter today um, regarding Luis Suarez and coming back in January for a stint. What do you make of those rumours? Thumbs us up, really. I mean, we're looking a bit desperate right now. No, I'm joking. Um, I think Luis Suarez coming in could be decent for Darwin Nunes. Like, just someone that's a bit older, has played in the league, and can kind of just guide him. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Guide him. And then even in certain certain games play Suarez. Suarez is still decent enough to like tear up a bottom of the table side, you know, maybe not playing the big games, but even if you brought him on the last 20 minutes, he's still got ability to go and do something. So I'm not majorly against it, but again, are we going to really go wasting wages on someone when, you know, we're thinking about big signings like Bellingham next summer or potentially bringing him in, him in earlier in January, you know? So yeah, I don't know what I think about that. Do you think it's because they're missing Origi a bit, George? I guess it could be. I mean, they've lost obviously a, f- a couple of like attackers in terms of like obviously Mane is the biggest one. Mane, um, yeah, that Mane Ma- narrative, man, leave it alone. I man. do. To be fair, no, I do agree. Like, I don't think you can attribute all of this to him leaving because I think. I think that Liverpool have been a team under Klopp. They've always been a team, like whatever players, like they've been able to quite seamless, seamlessly like rotate attacking players in and out. Like Firmino, Jota, Origi occasionally, and like I don't, I think it is lazy to just say like, oh, Mane's left. That's why Liverpool are performing not to the standard that we expect. It's for I think it's for a few reasons really, but like I do, I, I feel like maybe they just need an extra person there like I don't know whether they just because I think they're down like a player because did they lose who, who else did Liverpool sell it Minamino yeah yeah so I feel like if there's only like one player's really come in obviously Carvalho's come in as well I don't know I think it's just a case of probably getting used to this new attacking kind of setup mm. in terms of the players and everything but yeah I don't think like I agree with, with Reese in terms of like Mane leaving it's not like that wouldn't just on its own cause like Liverpool to perform like so much worse or seemingly so much worse from like uh, so the, the perspective of some games like um, maybe they are but Origi I think like he was he was useful in terms of like coming on as a super sub occasionally but generally speaking I don't think he was a great striker 
Mm. In terms of if he just, played week on week, I don't think that court hero for what he did in exceptional circumstances. Yeah, pretty much. But maybe if they just need like one extra attacker who's kind of versatile and can play across the front three, that wouldn't. Uh, yeah, that would be helpful for them definitely. But I don't think it's like the end of the world if they don't get it. But it would be helpful. Yeah. Oh, uh, cool. So we'll probably leave it there then for this week. It's been nice having you back on, George. Do you have anything to add before we finish? Um, I guess obviously like Brighton have hired a new manager, uh, Roberto De Zerbi, who I've seen Graham Souness on Talksport saying he doesn't know our game, he doesn't understand like the English game. And then like Graham Potter's not exactly your stereotypical English traditional four four two like you know, mm. type of manager anyway. So I don't get that. And so many foreign managers have come into the league and performed really well. So I don't know what Gra- Graham Souness is just kind of can be a little bit useless at times as a pundit, to be honest. But mm. Deserbi, I think he had a similar thing at Sassuolo that he had at Brighton, uh, that Potter had at Brighton, you know, brought a team up from the lower leagues, performed really well, got towards the top half of the table. Um, and then he did really well at Shakhtar as well and only left because of like the war in Ukraine. So he's yeah. he's he's got great credentials. I think he could kind of carry on the whole Graham Potter thing at Brighton a little bit. So it's interesting to see how Deserby's going to do at Brighton. But yeah, apart from that, it's been it's been really good to come back on. Yeah. Hopefully make it more of a regular thing now. Get into a bit of a rhythm of coming on episodes. Great to meet you as well, Reese. Uh, not sure about the keen opinion, but overall, <laughs> overall, uh, overall, like a good experience. So, yeah. Oh, yeah likewise, nice mate. Nice to be on with you, man. And nice. You seem, Hopefully be you seem pretty clued up more than Jack anyway, because he supports Forest. So I've never <laughs> been too sure about him. Well, well I'll, I try. I try. There you go. So we'll leave it there. Um, so yeah, join us next time. Obviously, uh, international break now. So. Over the course of the international break, we'll have some slightly different content. Um, we might revisit a couple of topics that we spoke about in this pod and previous pods. Um, I think we need to get down and get down and dirty with this Gerald Lampard debate a bit further on because it's and the Vieira debate as well because that's been causing a bit of traction. Uh, oh, that on one, mate! That one's caused a lot of a lot of dramas, man. Yeah, yeah. Just trust so we'll, me. We'll, we'll I definitely did see yeah. that on Twitter. Yeah, yeah. that's we'll the best drama we've had so far. I know, exactly. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we'll definitely be revisiting that. And also, uh, we have got a couple of guests lined up as well, which will be quite exciting to see. Um, so, yeah, before I get cut off, thank you for listening. Uh, don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and share it to all your friends. Um, so, yeah, we'll see you next time. Oh, that was nice. Yeah, very nice. Very nice.